This is the Motion Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like more information about Motion Church, you can always visit our website at motionchurch.com. If you'd like to contribute to what God is doing here at Motion, you can do that at motionchurch.com forward slash give. We hope you enjoyed today's message. All right, what's up, everybody? Not bad, not bad. Not good, but not bad either, right? Hey, uh, so we're continuing a series this week called The Table of Gratitude. So just quickly, if you haven't been here, I'll catch you up to speed uh, and kind of tell you what we've been talking about. The, uh, the, the trick here, the formula is you tell people what you're about to tell them, you tell them what you got to tell them, and then you tell them what you told them, right? And so I'm going to first tell you what I'm about to tell you. No? Yeah? Okay. All right. Listen, we're not doing this today. Yeah. We need to loosen up. Listen, we, we, we're going to have some fun in church. It is more of a conversation. Uh, so when I ask you a question, don't be rude. Respond. Right? And no, I'm just kidding. I'm actually not kidding at all. Uh, so, so with the table of gratitude, kind of the idea here is like we're all, I would imagine that most of us, all of us, I would suspect, are, are in search of or desiring to have more gratitude in our life. Like, I don't know many people, unless you're just kind of the, the old curmudgeon, right, who just wants to be upset and bothered about everything and for everything, uh, that, that everything, or, you know, I guess maybe in our society, it would be a Karen, right? Our Karens that we have here in our church are fantastic. Other Karens around the world, like, they're always upset. They're looking for a reason to be triggered and asking for a manager, right? Uh, but most of us, I think, we, we want to have more gratitude. So the way I see it is table... I'm sorry, gratitude is kind of like a table, right? And, and we want what's on top of the table. We want, if you're thinking about Thanksgiving, as I am, my mouth starts watering when I start thinking about Thanksgiving. Um, I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday. And for those of you who are taking it one holiday at a time, God will reward you. Like, God is for you. He's not against you. Those of you that don't, I can't promise that to you, right? Just kidding. And so the table of gratitude, it's like this, this is what we want. We want what's on top of the table. We want the feast, right? We want the, the goods. But in order to have the tabletop, you have to have the supports. And so the supports of gratitude that we've been looking at, that we've looked at thus far, is contentment. Like, obviously, we need to be content in order to experience gratitude. If, you don't, if you're, you're having a very difficult time being satisfied where you are, then you're probably not going to have a tremendous amount of gratitude. And then last week, we talked about perspective. How many, how many times in your life have you needed kind of like that, that we've all seen lenses and we know how lenses need to be brought into focus, right? And I think so often that's what happens in our lives. It's just like, hey, it's not completely off. It just needs to be dialed in a little bit, right? So this week, we're going to look at another of the legs of, of this table of gratitude. And it's interesting because I've, I've preached hundreds of sermons in my life. Now, that doesn't mean that they're any good. That just means there's a lot of volume, Right. Um, preached a lot. Been, so at Motion Church, we've got, I don't know, 560 something wow. podcasts that we've done. And so each of those would represent potentially a sermon. Uh, so so done, done a lot of these things. And I've listened to even more than that. Like, so I listened to, you know, probably one or two a week from other people for the last 20 years or so. So I've listened to probably listened to thousands of sermons. And I've never heard this connection made. Now, there's probably a reason for that, right? Maybe it's like everybody's like, oh, there's not a connection there. And I'm like, oh, it's there, right? So let's, let's talk about the connection. Again, my opinion, and, and I believe that we'll back this up scripturally. I think that there is a connection between gratitude and peace. 
I think that peace is one of the, these legs on our table. I think having peace lends itself to us having more gratitude in our hearts and in our lives. So if you're taking notes today, the title of the message is, how many of you are familiar with Ernest Hemingway? How many of you have actually read any of the books? A few of you, of course, you, you guys, my studious ones. Uh, so the title for today's message is In Love and Gratitude. It's supposed to be In Love and War, but we're going to go with In Love and Gratitude. And that'll all make sense here in just a little bit. So, so I think there's this really strong connection between gratitude and peace. I think there is kind of this, this symbiotic reciprocal relationship between gratitude and peace. I think that peace leads to gratitude and gratitude also leads to peace. It's like one leads to the other and one also leads to the other. But for our conversation, we're just going to focus on, on one direction, not the band, but the one direction of that, like gratitude, I'm sorry, peace leading to gratitude. Let's talk about how peace leads to gratitude. Before we get there, I think there's one other interesting, not, not necessarily relevant, but just an interesting connection between these two. With, with both peace, 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 is that Mike Tyson? Peace? With both, with both peace, this is what happens when you try to say both and peace, right? With both peace and gratitude, neither of them require perfect situations, perfect circumstances to be experienced. You can have less than perfect experiences or circumstances and still have gratitude and still have peace. And I thought that was kind of an interesting how they, they stand, they transcend in spite of whatever it is that you may go through. So let's talk about this connection between peace and gratitude or peace and gratitude. <laughs> Shelly used to, there was a meme that used to go around. It was like the dog, it was like the nasty, gnarly underbite. And he's like, send me some of that peace. You remember that? This side of the room does. This side of the room does not. All right, this is what it says. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Probably should just stop right there, right? Like, have you ever, there's so much work to be done with just that particular passage, right? So, so do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't be anxious about anything, but pray. Let those requests be made known to God and do it with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So there are three kind of, you know, states of mind, conditions, emotions that are, are dealt with in this particular passage. So the first one says, don't be anxious about anything. So we have anxiety, correct? And then it says, but in everything by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving. What, what is thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is the giving of thanks. I know, that's, that's right, such a fascinating, deep theological definition or explanation of thanksgiving. But thanksgiving is what? The giving of thanks. The giving of thanks is a result of a condition in your heart. So the giving of thanks is just an expression from your mouth, but it's the overflow. It's out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so when we have gratitude in our hearts, then our mouths speak thanksgiving. They give thanks because of the gratitude that's in our hearts. Does that make sense? So that's the, the next condition that's addressed there. So we've got anxiety, we've got gratitude, and then it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. So that's the next state of being, the next condition of our hearts and our souls that is addressed is peace. So we've got anxiety, we've got gratitude, and we've got peace. I think there is a really, really strong connection here that, that again, as anxiety increases, 
peace probably decreases. And as peace decreases, gratitude probably also decreases with it. As anxiety decreases, peace increases. And as peace increases, gratitude also increases with it, right? So what we're going to do today, I know that's been a long setup, right? A lot, a lot to get going. What we're going to do today is we're going to break peace down into pieces. We're going to break it into pieces. Like, see what we did there, right? So these, these two different, in fact, just two pieces that we're going to break peace down into, two basic categories. And, and so it's very helpful for me. I don't know how your mind works. My mind, I think it's backwards. I think it just got put in wrong. Um, so, so often to understand what something is, it helps for me to understand what something is not, right? And so when it comes to peace, I think about, like, well, what is the opposite of peace? If I, if I went around the room and we did a survey and we asked everybody, hey, what is the opposite? What is the antonym of peace? I would suspect that, that a lot of the answers would come back with these two basic ideas. The opposite of peace is war, right? So if you're not in peacetime, you're in wartime. There's a time for peace and a time for war, right? And so I think that would be one of the, the very, very prevalent answers. And I think another common answer would be, well, the opposite of peace is anxiety, right? When in our own personal lives, in our hearts, our minds, our emotions, when we're not at peace, we're, we're kind of feeling the effects of, you know, chaos and tumultuousness. Spell that one all the way out, right? And so what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of look at these two pieces of peace, this, this war and anxiety, and we're going to look at how each of those can be deterrents to gratitude and ultimately, most importantly, how we can overcome them. Now, let's start with war. Everybody knows about war. The question you have to ask yourself is, what is it good for? Hey, there we go. I listen, I, I was telling the first experience. I had no, I did not mean to or intend to kind of like inadvertently throw in song references. It just happens. And that's how my brain, again, is backwards. And that's just how it works. So the first question we're going to ask ourselves is, what is it good for? Let's talk about war. Now, to be clear, let me give some clarification here. When we're, we're talking about war, we're not talking about like a full-on military conflict. We're talking about the war that takes place in our personal lives. The war that takes place more specifically in our relationships. So often, some of us, not all of us, some of, some of us, maybe not you, but some of us, we create conflict or we accelerate conflict in our life. We are looking for war. We're looking for battles. We're trying to pick a fight. I think that it, it, it seems to me, it seems to me that humans are inclined to make enemies out of each other. Like we're just, we're almost by default, almost as if like there, we are a fallen creation and that because of our fallen state of being that we have a tendency to make a, an enemy out of each other. Let me, let me kind of prove this a little bit further. Somebody, somebody doesn't like us or they don't think like us, we call them an enemy, right? If they don't look like us, we make them an enemy. If they don't vote like us, they are certainly an enemy, right? And, and so what we've done is we, we've created all, all of these conditions and qualifiers that determine whether or not you were with me or you were against me. And if you are not fully for me and with me, then now I kind of push you into this enemy category. In fact, we've kind of, we've done some pop culture things with this in terms of enemies. Now, everybody who doesn't fully or wholeheartedly agree with us, we refer to them as a hater, and if you're if you got some some soul and some swag, they're a hater, H-A-T-A, 
but if you don't, they're a hater. Hater, right? And so what we've done is we've created haters out of everybody who that we think or we perceive that they don't agree with us or they don't, you know, fully endorse or support what we're doing, our mission, our life. Now, here's, this is where it gets so fascinating to me. Just because somebody doesn't agree with you doesn't mean that they hate you. Could it be, could it be that just because they're not like 100% as excited or on board with the thing that you're doing that you are, that doesn't mean that they're a hater. And here's, this is what's so fascinating. I, I like this, this kind of analogy because one, I like food and two, Thanksgiving is this week. Um, I know this is not, this is not proper. This is not condoned. Most people don't support this, but I love Thanksgiving and I hate dressing. I just, like I do, I don't. And I, maybe I shouldn't even say hate it because now I'm a hater of dressing, right? And so here's, this is what I understand about my dislike for dressing. Now, I say all of that, and Shelly made dressing yesterday, and it was actually really good. It was good for dressing. It was good. Like, it can only get, it, this is how I feel about food. Like, food needs to be individualized. I don't want a conglomerate, right? I don't like casseroles. I want, I want one food at a time. I don't need it all mixed together, right? That's just not how this thing is supposed to work. So, so when it comes to, when it comes to, to dressing, I just don't like it. And I, I've never liked it, and I'll never like it. It's just already in my head that I'm not going to like it. However, my disdain or my dislike of dressing doesn't mean that I'm a hater of Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. Again, like, when else do we get to, when else is it acceptable to bust up in your house, to sit at the table, to gourd yourself with food, to moan about how miserable you are, to unbutton the top button, and maybe even unzip a little bit, like if that's what you got to do, to post up on a couch somewhere, to watch football for three hours, to get up and do it all over again. Like, I love, love Thanksgiving, but I don't like dressing. That doesn't mean that I'm a hater of Thanksgiving. So when it comes to people, there can be things about them that we don't like. There can be things about them that we don't we don't agree with or we're not jiving with. And that doesn't mean that we're a hater. Not everybody is going to agree with every single thing that you say, think, or do. That doesn't mean that they're a hater. That doesn't mean that you have to make an enemy out of them. Not everybody hates you. Not everybody is out to get you. Not everybody is your enemy. And if you're just always looking for war, you're going to find it. If you're always looking for people who, who have disagreements with you or things about them that are different than you, you're going to find those things. Those, are, those things are easiest, easy and obvious to find. You know what's harder? Let's find some common ground. That's a little bit more work, but it's so much more fruitful. It's so much more life-giving when that, that's what it is that we focus on. And, and so we tend to think or we believe based on what we've been told through kind of, you know, culture. Having this us versus them mentality is, is what's going to give us the energy to do whatever it is that we have to do. And, and you can look this up. Scientifically, it's kind of been proven through, through workplaces and cultures and things like that, that this, this aggressive, angry us versus them is very effective for a season, for, for a small amount of time. What's so much more effective is when, again, we kind of have this, we're in this together, we're working things through, even though we're different, like even though, you know, there are things about you that just are ignorant and don't make no sense, or ignorant and don't make no sense. I can still love you, like I, I, I love Thanksgiving, but I don't like your dressing. You understand what I'm saying, where I'm coming from? So, so a better approach may be, instead of looking for war all of the time, maybe it's, it's choosing to look for fewer fights, it's looking to, to actively seek peace in your life and your relationships 
because those two have a, a very difficult time coexisting. And so I think it's thinking about it in terms of, you know, again, there are going to be people that you disagree with. Maybe, maybe a better approach is to find something to be thankful about the people that you disagree with. Again, you can find whatever it is that you're looking for, but it's really hard to find anything about them that you appreciate when you've dismissed them or categorized them as a hater. You hate everything about them when you put them in that category. By, by definition, they are a, ha a hater, therefore they are to be hated, and we dismiss them. Although, this is what Jesus said about this particular subject, and it, it, this is probably one of my least favorite scriptures. Can you, we be honest, right? I know you guys want me to, to tell you that it's all amazing, and it is. It's all truth, but that doesn't mean it's all easy, right? And so this is what it says. You, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I was like, that's a good place to stop. I like that, right? But that's not, that's not where he stopped. He said, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. How many of you, that just is so easy and natural for you to do? Sit on my hands real quick. That is, that is a challenge. That's difficult. But this is what gives us the ability to do that. It's to do that. It says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? are not even the tax collectors doing that. So the tax collectors were considered like the worst sinners. Like of, of all the sinners, these are the sinners of sinners. And he said, even the tax collectors, these sinners, they love those who love them. The standard that I'm calling you guys to live by, the standard that I want my followers to live by is I want you to not just love those who love you, but I want you to love those who don't love you. I want you to love your enemies. Now, let me, let's be clear, right? That's not not an easy thing, probably not something we're going to attain all of the time. I think in, in Romans chapter 12, it kind of gives us this disclaimer, this, this, this disclaimer. I probably should stop drinking so much coffee on Sunday mornings. I just, you know, like all my words are like wow, trying to get out at the same time. It's a race to the mouth. Uh, so, so a disclaimer, Romans chapter 12 says, if it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. What, what I get from those, dis, those kind of those disqualifiers, like if it's possible, which probably means there are times that it's not possible, and then also as much as it depends on you, you do everything you can do, but that doesn't mean that they're going to do everything that they can do for that relationship to experience peace. At which, at which point in time, you don't have to longer or any longer willingly subject yourself to toxicity. You can do, I think this is, it's not in the Bible, but it's biblical. Does that make sense? Like it's, uh, it's not said quite like this, but then at, at that point in the relationship, you can do what we call, don't let the door hit them where the good Lord split them. Yeah, see, I guess that's just an easier way to say it, but it's so much more poetic and fun to say, don't let the door hit them where the good Lord split them, right? So, so that's kind of the idea. It's like, ultimately, maybe there are some relationships that you are going to be able to experience that peace but that is what we should pursue. We should pursue peace in all of our relationships. And when we do that, when we pursue peace, what we find is it's a lot easier to be thankful for and appreciative of people who we are not fighting with all of the time, people who we have not made enemies of. 
I, I cannot think of a time where there was somebody who I would consider, you know, an enemy or somebody, you know, the, the, the phrase a hater. I can't, I can't think of a time when I've put them in that category that I found anything to be appreciative of. However, if I can see kind of more objectively that, that maybe they're not a hater of me entirely, but maybe something about me or something that I did, maybe they don't like that thing, maybe then I can see that there's some truth possibly in what they saw, even if I don't agree with it. They saw it a certain way, and I can respect that, so I can find something to be appreciative of unless, you know, again, if I just dismiss them entirely as a hater, I'll never get to that point. I'll never come to or arrive at those conclusions. So that's the first one is war. What is it good for? The second one, and again, I promise I didn't mean to do this, but the next point is I can see clearly now. I can see clearly now. So, so the second piece of peace that we're going to look at is anxiety. I, I think it's pretty obvious that one of the opposites of peace would be anxiety. Uh, you look at kind of statistically and culturally, this is a problem for, for us, specifically kind of the United States. The trend lines are not good as it relates to, to anxiety. More and more things overwhelm us. I think, I think the further we put ourselves out there in terms of, you know, there's, there's a lot of, I probably don't even know what I'm talking about, but I have a lot of strong opinions about things. Um, so I'm going to try to keep my opinions to myself and talk about things that, that are probably more factual. Is that, is that helpful? Or you want me to just go with it? No, I'm just kidding. So, so I think, and I, there's probably a multifaceted explanation as to why it is we are experiencing more anxiety than we ever have, you know, in terms of what's been recorded in history. But the problem is, or the bottom line is, we've got a problem with anxiety. Like collectively, culturally, you know, we as humans, like we tend to become more and more concerned with the things that are going on in us and around us, right? So the problem there is when we're having anxiety, you're probably not having a great deal of peace, which is what we're called to as followers of Jesus. And if you're not having a lot of peace, you're probably not having a lot of gratitude either. So, so when we're in this frenzied state of panic and worry, have you ever been there? Or you're just like, you just, you get worked up. And, and the more you think about it, the more worked up you get. Does anybody else get like that? I, one of my favorite expressions when you talk to, I call them old timers. When you talk to the old timers, and, and you should know at this point in the relationship, just cut and run, like get out, because it's, it's not going to get any gooder. So one of the things that old timers will say, especially when they're, they're kind of, again, kind of given to this anxiety, is they're like, well, it's just always something, ain't it? Have y'all met people like that? Y'all know people like that? I'm like, yeah, it's always something because you're always looking for it, right? You, you will always, if you're wanting something bad to happen, if you're looking for something negative, you will absolutely 100% of the time find something bad or find something negative. It's also always something good if you're looking for it. Well, it's always something good, isn't it? It is if that's what you're looking for. And so as it relates to anxiety, we, we need less anxiety in our lives. We need more. This is so obvious, right? We need less anxiety. We need more peace. And we need more peace because peace leads to gratitude. It's difficult because we're not even starting kind of at a neutral position. We're starting in, in reverse, right? We're starting behind the line. If it were a race, everybody else gets to go to the starting line, and we've got to give, give everybody else a head start. Like our brains are naturally inclined to the negativity, like we talked about last week, there's this stupid psychological experience called negative negativity bias, where our minds 
give more effort, more focus to negative things. And so knowing that, it's like maybe, maybe being less aware of those things and more aware of the good things, that comes back to perspective like we talked about last week, right? So let, let's talk about this using the analogy of a storm. So overplayed, but so very good, right? So the storm, we've had some pretty gnarly storms the last couple of, year, couple of years. It's so funny whenever it starts to rain, it seems like every time it rains now, somebody texts me and is like, y'all good? And I'm like, I think so. Why, am I, am I not supposed to be? And it's come to find out, like just, again, these, these nasty storms that have happened, there have been tornadoes and all of that stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, we're good. We're good. So this is what happens with a storm. So with the storm, it, even in the middle of the storm, you can still experience some, some peace, and that peace re- results in gratitude. But even more... When the storm starts to clear, when the storm starts to break, you can see clearly, right? And so I think in terms of the storms of our lives, what happens is it's like when we're in it, we're in the middle of it, there's such an emotional response to it, it's very difficult to see clearly what's going on. But as the storm starts to break, and I think the storm starts to break when we have peace. The the peace is what gives us the ability to weather and sustain ourselves in the storm. And so as it starts to break, then we can see clearly now that the rain is gone, right? And when we see clearly, this is, this is the power of, of seeing clearly. Now that the rain's gone, I can see that the storm has caused some damage. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be dismissive of that truth that, hey, maybe the storm was destructive, but I can also see the things that the storm didn't take. I can, and, and unfortunately, what, what do we do? We focus on the damage. We focus on what, what it was that the storm did do versus what the storm did not do. It's like, yeah, maybe, maybe the storm caused some damage to my property or my house, but it's, it's still there for the most part, or my family's still safe and my kids are still safe and my friends are still, you know, like all of the good things that we could focus on instead. And that all depends on, it comes from, are you seeing clearly or not? Are you still in a panic and a frenzy and a worry about all of the, the bad things that took place? Or are you finding the ability because of peace to look for the good and be thankful for the, the good things, even though the bad things have happened, right? So let's come back to that original passage, Philippians chapter four, verses six through seven. And, and let's talk about this connection between peace and gratitude. It says this, do not be anxious about anything. So there's our anxiety, right? But in everything by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So it's kind of like the the, the book ends, right? It's the if this, then that. If we, we don't become anxious about every little thing that happens in our life and we don't become overwhelmed by this and that and this and that, if we don't focus solely and entirely on all of these negative things, then the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension. Have you got to experience that in your life? Have you been in a situation that you had every reason to be freaked out? You had every reason to be at an elevated level of concern. Is that a nice way to say I was freaking out, right? And and still in the midst of all of that, in the middle of all of that, you have this, this peace of God that passes all understanding. If you haven't experienced that, I hope you get to experience that at least one point in your life, and, and hopefully more than that, a lot more than that, right? So, so the idea here is that, that ultimately peace leads itself to gratitude, but the only way that we have more peace is we have less anxiety. So I want to close with 
we'll close this point, which is ultimately we're about to wrap up. Everybody say, no, don't do that. But the plane, the plane is coming in for a landing. And how you respond determines if it's a rough landing or a smooth, easy, no, I'm just kidding. So let's, let's wrap out this point with some, some brain information. How many of you guys like the, the brain stuff? How many of you could care less? You're like, I got one, it works, that's all I need to know? All right, if that's you, just turn yours off for about 15 seconds. I want to I share this with everybody else. So I was reading an article about this, and it says, physiologically, this is, this is kind of an excerpt from the article, physiologically, our brains cannot respond to negative emotions such as fear, anxiety, and stress, and positive emotions such as gratitude at the same time. So, so it's, we're not able to, you know, split our brains or divide our brains so that it responds to fear, anxiety, and stress, and then simultaneously responds to gratitude. So what we find ourselves is, is kind of in the middle when things are going on and things are happening and we're processing. Then what we do is we decide, am, am I going to respond with these negative emotions of fear, anxiety, and stress, or am I going to focus on finding some peace in this circumstances, peace that maybe passes all understanding. It doesn't make sense because it, it really is as bad as it sounds or looks, but I trust that God is good, that God has a plan. So I'm going to focus on the peace and then I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to let him know how much I appreciate what he's doing, what he's done, that he's trustworthy, that I've been here before and he got me through. And so I expect him to get me through again. And so it's, it's what you focus on. It's the decision that you make in the middle. You can choose negative, and you get to experience all of the benefits of that, which are none, right? Nil. Uh, elevated blood pressure, poor health, probably ain't got no friends. People talk, they give you nicknames behind your back. So you can choose that if that's what you so choose to do, or you can choose the positive emotions of gratitude and peace. And so finishing up the, the, the excerpt from the article here, it says, so if you're practicing gratitude, you have a way to reduce anxiety, reduce frustration, and feel less overwhelmed. And I thought it was interesting. This was from, you know, some psychology article or journal. And it says, so if you're practicing gratitude, as if it's something we're supposed to put into practice, not something that we just heard one time at church, but something we're actually supposed to do. It reminded me of this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, just a couple verses later. It says this, As for the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So let's talk about what it is that we should practice as it relates to peace, and as it relates to gratitude. Just two things really quickly that I think are helpful. Uh, one will bless you, and one will bust you. I thought that was clever. You guys did not. One is very encouraging, and the other one is, is necessary, but not necessarily as easy. Uh, the first one is, like, just understand that there are going to be bad things that happen, right? You start with, with that. If you go into... If you have this, this juvenile, naive view of life that everything is going to be perfect and easy all of the time and that Jesus was a hippie and kumbaya, my Lord, and I love you and all of those sorts of things, God bless you, but you ain't going to make it. At, le at least not like in that state of, state of mind, right? You just ain't, you ain't going to make it. Like, like it's hard. I was at a conference one time. I was at a pastor's conference one time, and the dude got up, and it was so shocking to me, and I'm not, I'm not very easily shocked. Like I've got, I've heard things, right? 
I've been in locker rooms. I've been around a bunch of, like, I've heard a lot of things. And so the pastor gets up at this conference full of pastors, and he was like, I just want everybody in the room to know, life is hard. Put a cup on. <laughs> it makes you nervous, right? And I was like, okay. And then, like, the more you go through life, you're like, wow, it really is kind of hard. So I know that was too much. So you know what I did? So they, they gave us cardboard, like, little cutouts so that everybody could write down, like, one thing that they took away from the whole, the whole conference, like, 20 hours. of, And that's what I took away from the conference was put a cup on. Is that too much? No. <laughs> some people were like, yeah. And some people were like, no. I'm like, okay. So, so here's what we know. We know that life is hard. And so because we know that life is hard, we know that inevitably things that are going to happen or things will happen that are difficult. And so that's where we find ourselves is when these things take place, what are we going to do? We're here in the middle, right? We have a decision to make. We make a choice. Do we respond with the negative emotions of fear, anxiety, and stress? Or do we choose peace? Do we practice gratitude even in those difficult seasons that we're going to go through? The second thing is this. That's that's kind of the blessing that, right, at least you know, it helps to know what you're going through sometimes before you go through it so that you can prepare yourself for it. And the second thing is this. Um, Shelly Shelley is probably the nicest person you'll ever meet, just not to me. Have y'all ever had that, like, everybody's like, your mom is so nice. I'm like, have you met her? Like, do you, really? Wow, okay. Uh, so, but Shelly really is like one of the kindest people you'll ever meet. But with me, it's just like her, on, she's taking one of the spiritual gifts tests. If you haven't, I encourage you to do that. Uh, but her mercy is low, like low, like she's, she's kind, but she just doesn't have a lot of mercy. Like she tells you what needs to happen and then expects it to happen. And so sometimes just, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I get, I get in my feelings every once in a while, sometimes probably on a weekly basis about different things and just life, right? Life is hard. Sometimes I forgot to put my cup on, right? Um, and so what will happen in, in these situations where I'm, you know, I'm starting to focus on maybe some of the negative emotions. I'm starting to be a little more, not, not fearful maybe, but stressed out probably. I carry some of the weight of that. And so I'll, I'll say something about it to Shelly, like really just wanting some sympathy, frankly. Like I don't really need you to fix my problem. I just want you to feel sorry for me that I have a problem. And so what Shelly will do in those, those moments, in all of her mercy, she'll be like, well, have you prayed about the thing that you're freaking out about? Well, I was, I, I was just about to do that. See, see I, was, I was almost there, but I wanted to talk to you first so we could come together in agreement. And it says, we're two or three are gathered, that I'm there in the name with you, that the, the prayer of the, the effective person is right, or the prayer of the righteous person is, is effective, and all of these. So I had to come to you first. And then, no, I, just, I, I was just freaking out, and I just wanted to share, I wanted to share my misery with somebody else. And, and so kind of the takeaway is like, hey, stop, stop complaining about things that you haven't prayed about. Stop worrying about and freaking out about things that you haven't brought to the feet of Jesus, the one who loves you and gave you your life and has a plan for you. And so until you've done that, there is no room for worry. Now, now if you've done that and you're praying through a season and, and sometimes like these things last way longer than we hoped that they would, and, and ultimately when you do that, when you go through something like that, we just, that's where faith comes in. Like you've Ultimately, there has to be faith or, or what is it that we're building kind of our existence on? It's like with, without faith, it is impossible to please God. That is the foundation of our relationship with him. 
And so when you're going through a difficult season, it may be that, that you've done all the praying that you think you can do. And so my encouragement to you would be just keep holding on, keep praying. But for the rest of us, like when we just want to complain about things or we just want to worry about things or we just want to focus on the negative and just want to be like, well, it's always something, ain't it? Maybe you should start praying about those things before you start complaining about those things. Amen. So as, as we wrap up in, in prayer, right, this is what I suspect. I suspect that, that people here today, myself probably included, right, could use a little bit more peace and could use a little bit more gratitude, could use a little less anxiety and could use a little less war and, and making enemies of people. And so what I want to do, I just want to pray for us that, that God will work in our hearts to that end. Amen. Jesus, thank you so much. God, you, you very clearly, in the greatest demonstration possible, made it known what it looks like for, for someone to love their enemy. It says that while we were still your enemy, that you demonstrated your love to us and died on the cross for us. God, God, we were sinners. We were separated from you. And because of that sin and separation, we were enemies of the cross. And you still chose to give your life for us. God, thank you for showing us how to love our enemies. God, help us to understand that, that we do have these shared experiences, kind of this common grace, where as your, as your creation, God, we're all going to experience some similar, similar things, some similar struggles. God, help us to focus on those things, not the things that differentiate, not the things that, that, that divide, but God, the things that make us uniquely yours. Help us to find that in others so that we're more at peace and less at war. God, as it relates to the personal circumstances that we face, the seasons that we go through, God, even, even tragedies and loss, God, I pray that you would help us to, to bring everything to you, to lay everything at your feet, to cast our cares on you because you care for us. God, and to not carry the anxiety and the worry and the weight, but God, instead to carry and walk in your peace, which leads to gratitude so that we can stand in a moment like this and just say thank you. We love you. We're so appreciative of everything that you've done for us and your incredible kindness, love, and mercy. Help us to never take it for granted or forget it. It's in Jesus' incredible name we pray and everybody's amen.